Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, it's time for the Acrisure Fan Advantage. We bring you an opponent expert on the Steelers opponent each and every week. This week we had a special one in Ben Baby who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for ESPN is going to be an amazing talk here as the Steelers are going through their changes. So are the Bengals. We're going to talk about this matchup here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and this is the Acrisure Fan Advantage from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette all season long. We bring you the Acrisure Fan Advantage that gets you closer to the team than ever before. Each week, we answer your burning questions on our Friday episode of the podcast with, with insider Brian Batko, and then we get you an opponent expert the day before the game each and every week. This, we've got a special one in Ben Baby. He covers the, the Bengals uh, for, for ESPN and does a great job in doing it, and Ben well, there's a whole lot of turmoil going on in Pittsburgh, and we'll get to that point in a little bit. Everyone wants to know what is what to expect from this new offense with Jake Browning. How much of this Bengals offense that we've known now for the past, what, two to three years with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the things that they've been able to do, how much of that, that offense are we going to see in this game, or is there going to be a dialing back of what the Bengals try to do with their backup? Yeah, you know, that's a question, Chris, uh, that we asked uh, Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. And first off, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be on the pod. And, Absolutely. you know, when we, when we broached that topic to Callahan, he said that, you know, Jake would almost be a little bit insulted if you suggested that you need to dial it back. In fact, in that game against Baltimore, uh, they were asking him what he liked, what he didn't like. And he was just telling him, go ahead and call the plays. Like, go ahead and call what you'll normally call. I want to do it. And, you know, Jake, after the game, I, I talked to him and he said he was, you know, sometimes it's almost – maybe having a delusional sense of confidence in how he feels about going about things. And I asked him kind of in the locker room where that comes from. He said, it's kind of, he's always had it. I mean, he's always been good. You look at the numbers he's put up in high school, he broke California records for uh, passing guards and touchdown, did the same thing at Washington. However, tapered off towards the end of his career, had a shoulder surgery that really impacted him and, and hurt his draft stock. And, and now I think that's, what's going to, we're going to see what he looks like and, you know, he he does make some good throws downfield. Watching him in training camp, him battle with Trevor Simeon, I thought that both guys struggled at times. But the one thing I did like about Browning, in addition to his mobility, is that he isn't afraid to test windows downfield. And I think that's huge. You have to have a quarterback who's at least somewhat aggressive, who's able to take some risks. And I think Browning is able to do that. So we'll see, I think, similar uh, components of what the Bengals do schematically on Sunday somewhat aggressive and take some risks there's a lot of people asking Kenny Pickett to do that in Pittsburgh right now and full disclosure we are recording this on Wednesday morning 
before we're, the Ben was very nice of us to get to give us his time before the holiday before the holidays got started. So we don't know what T Higgins status will be. We don't know, you know, how, what, what, what Minka Fitzpatrick status will be. Guys like Sam Hubbard, they're going to be up in the air. So we apologize for not having that on the show. But Ben, I wanted to ask you, how much is Jamar Chase stepping in to try to help Jake get there? Because I get the sense the Bengals, Joe Burrow may be out, but they still look at this as a playoff race that they can be right in the thick of. Yeah, you know, I, I think that they should. I mean, I mean, you look at other teams we see in the AFC North. We've seen Cleveland be competitive even with the back quarterback. We saw the Bengals, you know, go toe-to-toe with Tyler Huntley in the wild card game last year. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that you look at these franchises in the AFC North is that they are built incredibly well. Uh, and and they are in good franchises in good rosters. You know, they should be able to withstand even the loss of a backup quarterback and, and talking to Callahan on Monday, he agreed with that sentiment as well. So this team definitely does believe that they still have a shot at making the playoffs. And, you know, there is a lot of, you know, you talk to Tyler Boyd, a guy from Clareton and, you know, he's going to be a, you know, have a home facing his hometown team here on Sunday. He said that when a guy's got confidence, like Jake Browning does, it gives them confidence as well. So they still have some somewhat good vibes, even though Burrow is not on the field. However, you know, there is no, no going around it. They have to figure out how to manage without Joe. I think when Joe's on there, it's another level for these guys, as you might expect. And, you know, with Jamar Chase, I think they're going to have to find ways to get him the ball, much like they have over the course of the season. You know, whether that's, you know, moving him around, you know, putting him in motion, there have to be ways to make sure that the Steelers cannot double team him. And yeah. I think that's going to be the question mark. And that's why T. Higgins being on the field is so huge, because if T. Higgins does end up playing on Sunday, that will make it a more difficult for Pittsburgh to go out there, give him those double teams. And that will, you know, maybe they still end up doing that. Say, if you want to beat us, go ahead and go with T Higgins. But, you know, I think T might be a underrated component of this game because of what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. You look at his ability to really catch 50, 50 jump balls, contested catches, Jake Browning is the type of quarterback, no disrespect to Jake, but T Higgins thrives with those kind of guys. And if you're a quarterback like Jake and you're unsure of anything, you just know, throw it up in T's direction. And because of his size, his range, his body type, you know, those are all things that are going to really enable him to potentially have a big game if he's healthy. So I know that, you know, Jamar is another guy. He's on another level. He's one of the best receivers in the league. But if the Steelers decide to take him away, I still think this offense can function well with the other guys that they have on the field. Certainly. I mean, and we've seen T. Higgins play very well against the Steelers. In fact, he has three 100-yard receiving games against the Steelers. One last year in the the Bengals' 37-30 win, the year before that in their 41-10 win, and then the year before that in 2020 when the Steelers, they got the win and a big win, but T. Higgins still went off for 115 yards and a touchdown. He's been a problem that the Steelers haven't been able to solve. The Steelers like what they see out of Joey Porter Jr. I think that's certainly a factor that they've, they've appreciated as a boost in their defense, but of course that defense goes through the defensive front in the pass rush this Bengals offensive line has not exactly been great against against the pass rush they've you know Joe, Joe Burrow's been injured multiple times in his career this past one may not be as much on them when you look at the throw that how it happened in that Ravens game but still that's kind of been the mo for the Bengals where do you see this offensive line at as far as how it's developed with the pieces they've added and how it stacks up against the front like TJ Watt Alex Highsmith Cam Hayward and such 
Yeah, you know, it's going to be a, a tough challenge for them. And and I think this offensive line still obviously has some room that needs to improve. It hasn't been as good as we thought it might be. And, and you know, they brought in Orlando Brown to be left tackle out of Kansas City and uh, moved Jonah Williams to the right side. I think both of those guys have played well enough for this unit to be good. I think in the interior is where you have some question marks. You have Ted Karras, uh, Cordell Volson, who's had an up-and-down year, uh, as, as the coaching staff has put it, and then Alex Kappa. And, you know, I, I think the one thing that I think we haven't really discussed a ton is that Kappa was really their big signing in 2022 whenever they went to the uh, Super Bowl the previous year. As soon as free agency opened, Kappa was announced as being a member of the Bengals, so it was almost instantaneously, mm-hmm. if you want to look at the timing of it. But, you know, and, and for what he brings to the table and the money they paid him, you know, I, I'm curious to see kind of what he feels, how the season goes, because he's been getting beat a good amount. And I don't know if that's on him, if that's on, you know, offensive line play so hard to gauge. And I think another component, too, is that he got hurt at the end of last season. And I'm wondering if he hasn't fully recovered uh, from his injury as well. So, you know, this is I think the interior is going to be, you know, a challenge for them. We'll see what Cam Hayward is able to do. He's uh, he's had some really good games. I think Alex Highsmith has had a really good uh, matchup against these Bengal offensive uh, tackles. So especially their size, their speed, that could be an issue that Cincinnati has to deal with. And, you know, I think having Browning back there will help them a little bit against, a, excuse me, a very good Steelers pass rush. Well, we got to flip the flip sides here to also talk about the Bengals defense and how they'll face up against Kenny Pickett and his new offensive coordinator, Eddie, Eddie Faulkner, with Mike Sullivan calling the plays. Lots to discuss there. We, we'll talk about that here in the Accrature Fan Advantage. We've got Ben Baby from ESPN here. But first, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by the Accrature Fan Advantage. All season long, Accrature is bringing you the Fan Advantage to get you closer to the Pittsburgh Steelers than ever before. we got burning questions. If you go right now to Accrature.com slash Fan Advantage, you can, you can see all the information that we present every single week and submit questions to get your chance to ask Brian back our questions on our Friday show each and every week and we will have a Friday show it will be recording Friday morning after Thanksgiving but it will it will be there so stay tuned for that when it comes out here in the North Shore Drive podcast but as always check out the Accrature Fan Advantage every single week we bring it here every, every week here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We've got Ben Baby from ESPN. He covers the Bengals for them. Ben, got, let, let's talk about this a little bit now. I, 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 before we get into the Bengals defense here, I'd like to just get your perspective of you're sitting here, you're covering all these, these things, things in Cincinnati. I'm sitting here like yes, uh, Tuesday morning. We're recording this on Wednesday. Tuesday morning, I'm waking up and my fiance is like, hey, they fired Matt Cannon. I'm like, you're kidding me. And, I'm, and so I'm, my day goes crazy. You're like looking over there and you're dealing with fires in Cincinnati. What's it from your perspective, seeing all the crazy things going on in Pittsburgh right now? Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm surprised Pittsburgh did what they needed to do. I think it's been apparent for quite some time. And as someone who covered the SEC when Matt Canada was at LSU, I always thought the hire was a bit strange because I've never seen something along the lines of what happened at LSU to where Ed Orgeron at Matt and Matt Canada, I believe both signed a non-disparagement agreement that they would not speak badly about the other once they were fired, which I have never seen. I'm not really sure what exactly that entailed, uh, but you look at it and whenever Matt Canada left, they hired Joe Brady, 
uh, to come in and be the passing game coordinator and him along with Ensminger. And that offense ended up being the greatest offense that we've ever seen in college <laughs> football. Uh, so I don't, I think that's unfair to say that was all Matt Canada's faults, right. but you go look at it. Uh, it just never really has worked out for him over the last few years. I've not really been impressed with a lot of his offenses and, you know, and to Matt's defense, you know, maybe we don't know what Kenny Pickett has as well. Uh, we don't know what this running game looks like. You know, I, I think that the receivers you have, you know what you have in George Pickens, but what else do you have there? I think that's also a key because you need to have, you know, really viable number two receivers as well. But that being said, I think that, you know, and I think our, our colleague Brooke Pryor wrote on Wednesday morning about this, you know, it's either going to fix it or it's going to be the scapegoat and we're going to figure out there's going to be other issues. But even at the beginning, that being said, I was surprised that the Steelers went in Matt Canada's direction. And I think it'll be telling to see where he goes over the next couple of years and what he does. And you'll end up getting a sense of really what he's like as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, he had one good year at Pitt when they beat Clemson with that. And they were the only team to beat Clemson that Deshaun Watson year. And I think that's where there was a lot of hope in the sense, like maybe if he can do some things that he did there, but Matt Canada has been a guy, he's barely been in one place. I think, I think the state his tenure with the Steelers might be his longest tenure job. And like, that's the crazy part of it is that when you look at his career, he's bounced around from team to team to team. Uh, LSU was, was a quick John Maryland was pretty, was pretty quick. Uh, but certainly a uh, question mark here, but let's, let's, we're past Matt Canada. They fired him. They can stop chanting it now on all the Pat McAfee shows. Uh, but let's get into a, something here. And you brought up the Steelers run game. And that's one thing I wanted to focus. I think the Steelers are going to focus on this game because the Steelers new offensive coordinator is Eddie Faulkner, their running backs coach. Now he won't be calling the plays. That's going to be Mike Sullivan, the quarterbacks coach, but Faulkner devising the game plan signals to me the Steelers are going to be running the football and trying to find more effective ways to run the football. And I think even under Matt Canada, they were starting to figure that out. They had three straight games where they rushed for over 160 yards. And in fact, this last game, they had over 170 yards, only team to do that to the Cleveland Browns defense. The week before that, they rushed for over 200 against the Packers. And this week, they face a Bengals team that ranks next to last in stopping the run in NFL, both in total yards and yards per average or yards per carry. What do you see from this Bengals run defense? Personally, I expected that part of this defense to be a lot better than it has looked statistically this year, just because of the personnel they have up front. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's been a, a big thing. And, and you know, we talked about T. Higgins earlier in the podcast. Sam Hubbard not being on the field has been huge. He's a guy who's one of the best perimeter run defenders in the NFL. You know, Bengals defensive coordinator Luana Rumo said that Hubbard's basically the guy who sets all the communication up front as well and does such an integral integral role in making sure guys know what their assignments are, um, you know, communicating on, you know, different rush plans. Um, stunts, twists, and then also figuring out what they need to do, um, you know, in their in um, on gap to gap um, uh, basis. And so Hubbard being on the field is going to be huge if he can come back from that ankle injury. You know, it looked like he was trending uh, towards playing before last week's game against Baltimore. So we'll see if he's he should have a pretty good shot of playing. Again, we're recording this on Wednesday. But, you know, going back to that, I am I am a bit surprised that this run defense has not been better. I think DJ Reader has been one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL that, that no one's really talked about. And and yet I don't know if uh, why exactly they're not able to, to, to stop the run. I know there's been some missed tackles. I think the, the backers have struggled at times. The uh, the young secondary, it's also been a, a, big, a big problem as well. But, you know, this could be a great game for Pittsburgh you know, to get their offense rolling because this Bengals defense, like you pointed out, it's not just giving up yards on the ground, it's yards through the air as well. I mean, the mm. amount of 
explosive plays is mind-blowing. I'm not, you know, it's something we're not used to seeing, uh, really haven't seen since 2019 when the Bengals were the worst team in the NFL and this defense looked incredibly different. In fact, Hubbard was the only one who was on the roster now, Hubbard and Josh Tupau, uh, who were the only ones who were on the roster then that are still here today. And so I, I think that if you're Pittsburgh, you've got to be, if you're going to make a change, this is the week to do it because you're going to get a sense of what this offense can do. And it should be able to do much better against a Cincinnati defense. quite frankly, even if Joe Burrow had stayed healthy the rest of the year, wasn't playing at a level good enough to be competitive in the playoffs. Uh, it, it, cert- it certainly is. But, and it's a, such a shocker for me because I have a lot of respect for Lou Anarumo. Uh, you know, met him at the combine this past year and just just watching how his defenses worked. As much as Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase get praised for that suit, their, their run to the Super Bowl was just as much a part of him what, and what his defense did to Patrick Mahomes. So it's a bit of a shock to me. But it also might be the impact of losing two starting safeties to free agency because they can't afford to pay everybody all the time. But one thing that this Bengals does often, or the Bengals defense does do correctly is they get turnovers, much like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Both teams are right at the top of the league. And funny, the Steelers lead the NFL in turnover differential plus t- plus eleven. The team that's right behind them is the Bengals at plus ten. They've created the fifth most turnovers in the NFL this year. What they do? You see anything special that they do to create those turnovers, or has that been more circumstantial, just week to week? Yeah, no, they they definitely make it a point of emphasis. You look at it when they uh, when they go through OTAs, they go through training camp all year. It's a year round point of emphasis for this defense to create turnovers, to always be looking to make them. I mean, you go look at it. You know, the, especially the force fumbles, they're punching the ball out. The way that the quarterbacks play, you know, you'll see some trail technique and trying to bait uh, uh, quarterbacks into some dicey throws, and they'll end up taking advantage of them. I think that that's something that is constantly top of mind. And then running backs coach, Justin Hill actually has a meeting. I believe every Saturday it's called all about the ball. And they go <laughs> in and they talk about turnovers and teams that um, are giving the ball away and teams that are uh, taking the ball away and how important that is to winning games. And they believe very heavily in a good turnover margin. And, you know, as we've seen, especially in this game against Pittsburgh and a lot of these AFC North games, the turnover battle is what dictates who wins games. So that will be something that will be key. And the Bengals, for how many yards they give up, they are very turnover dependent. If they aren't able to get those turnovers, they haven't really been able to get many stops. So we'll see if Pittsburgh, if Kenny Pickett can, can do a good job of taking care of the ball. They should be in a pretty good chance to win this game. So I think that that's going to be huge. And taking care of the football against a team that is uh, always looking to, to create those turnovers and, and flip the field. And certainly right now, Kenny Pickett, for all his struggles right now, the one thing that I think that anyone can say is, man, he protects the football. He doesn't throw too many touchdowns, but he doesn't turn the ball over. And there's the part of the people that are saying, hey, if that's if that's one thing he's gotten right, that that's it. But I think this is where – and you talked about Dick Browning being aggressive. I think that's where this game could really come down to. And we'll get to matchup specifics and our predictions in the next segment. But I think that's going to be a big factor here is the Steelers are going to try to engineer opportunities for Kenny Pickett to take some shots. And to be also fair to Matt Canada, they engineered those the past few weeks. And especially even last week, they gave him some open looks. And just sometimes he just wasn't seeing it, wasn't looking in the right place. And that's where I think Eddie Faulkner, Mike Sullivan, they're going to have to do a collective job of getting Kenny Pickett to see those things. What is the biggest thing if you're if you're if you're thinking on, on the side of the Steelers, what is the biggest factor of trying to generate some of those bigger plays, maybe a player to look at or certain opportunities you've seen like, hey, when this happens, the Bengals start to fall into a lot of trouble on defense. 
Yeah, you know, I think the key is going to be, you know, I hate to say it because it's one of the worst cliches in football, but establishing the run is something that, that could be key. You know, it's a team that the Bengals have done a, a – they've really struggled with it. If they're able to um, – you know, if the Steelers are able to run the ball well, it could end up, um, you know, creating some more adva- advantageous opportunities for them in the passing game, some good matchups to look at because the Bengals uh, – I think that they're secondary, even though they are raw – there's, there is a lot of talent there. I, I do think their young cornerbacks are really good. I mean, Cam Taylor-Britt, if he's going to be able to play, I know he's been day-to-day with a quad injury. Uh, I think he's been playing at a Pro Bowl level. I mean, that guy has had an insanely good year. DJ Turner, the second-round pick, has done a really good job uh, playing in place of Chidabe Awuzie, who just hasn't really come off the ACL injury uh, all that well that he suffered last October. And, you know, the big question is going to be, if I'm, if I'm Pittsburgh, a guy that I want to try to attack is probably Jordan Battle. He's mm. a strong safety that is going to be probably making his first start in place of Nick Scott. Now, now Battle's definitely come on and showed why he should be the starter alongside Dax Hill, who's a second-year player as well. Uh, but if you're Pittsburgh, you want to stress these young players. You want to put them in one-on-one situations. You want to see what they're going to do when the ball goes their way. And so with I think Jordan will be a guy he's gonna he's gonna be up for the challenge. He is also a guy not sure on confidence, but you want to try to see what you can do against these starters. And you like it, this is a good game to take those risks. You want to see what you can do against a young secondary. And you know, if if they can maybe make those boxes a little bit heavier, lighten things up in the back end of that defense, it should give Penny Pickett some good windows to attack. We'll certainly see how that plays out. I want to get Ben's thoughts on key matchups and how this game will play out Sunday in Cincinnati. We'll get to all that here on the North Shore Drive podcast on the Pittsburgh Post because I stick with us. We still have a lot to discuss. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's Ben Baby from ESPN. Ben, who shares an alma mater with uh, Mean Joe Green, because uh, as he went to North University in North Texas. So you got some Pittsburgh connections. Oh, there you go. You see it all, you see all around there. It's hard. It's hard to point. I'm just going to turn around a point because I can't. I can't marry it. But yeah, I got the. <laughs> you got to rep the Mean Green, baby. Absolutely. Now, Ben, I want to talk to you about how this game could play out because to me, and we talked about this a little bit before, it's like, man, I do not expect a lot of points in this game. I think this is going to be classic AFC North football, cloud of dust stuff happening. Both teams, I mean, and we mentioned it, both teams have prioritized protecting the football and taking the football away. And in that way, I think that this could be old school Steelers, you know, maybe not mean Joe Green, but at least maybe like 2008 Steelers when they were just playing tough nose defense. I think that that's a big factor here. But if there's a way to try to get the Bengals out of a rhythm on offense and maybe force them to make some of the mistakes that they have it this year, granted Jake Browning not played a whole lot yet. What is the biggest factor you see the Steelers have to achieve in this game if they're going to create turnovers? Yeah, you know, I just I just pulled up the lines while you were where you were, you were asking that question. And an ESPN bet, we've got the over under at 34 and a half, which is insanely low. To put that in perspective, Carolina, Tennessee is at 36 and a half over under. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? That's what we that's what we're expecting on the books for this offensively. So, you know, if you're the Steelers and you want to try to to put this Bengals offense under pressure, I think lean into your strengths. You know that TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward, they're going to get pressure. We talked about this offensive line, especially with a young quarterback. You want to get him off his reads. You want to rattle him early. 
Um, yeah, I shouldn't say young. Jake's been in the league for a few years, but inexperience is probably uh, the thing to say there. And, and, you know, for a guy who's got a lot of confidence, you want to try to maybe shake that as quickly as possible. And then that's going to be the challenge. I think going about it that way, you know, I would go ahead and double Jamar Chase. I would, I would blitz. And I would say, Jake, if you're going to beat us, I would go ahead and play T Higgins one-on-one. I'd play Tyler Boyd one-on-one. I'd play whoever the tight end is going to be one-on-one. I'd give light boxes to the Bengals and say, you know, if you Joe Mixon, if you want to go run for 10, 11 yards of carry, go be our guest. If you want to try to throw it to anybody else in a one-on-one, be our guest, but you're not going to let Jamar Chase beat us. And we're going to bring as much pressure as possible to make sure that we can get this. And once that happens, then we'll adjust our game plan. I think if I'm Pittsburgh, that's what I would do there. I feel you on that. I, I agree. That's, that's that's very much the pace that I'm going for from the Steelers. Lean on to lean on to the strengths that you have because you don't have a whole lot, uh, you know, elsewhere in offense. And I will say again, we go back to you talk about establishing the run. It's gonna be huge if if Jalen Warren and Najee Harris can be a one-two punch that dictates the pace of this game. That's gonna take all the pressure off Kenny Pickett. All he's gonna have to do is kind of make you know maybe there's 12 to 15 plays instead of 30, you know, 20 to 25 to 30 plays. That if he makes those. That could be the difference maker. Give him a smaller sample size, slow the game down for him. That might be the very key here. So with all that being said, Ben, give us your biggest factor that does end up playing into this game and who you see winning and leading leading into your final score prediction. That's a I'm trying I think the biggest factor is going to be which quarterback I mean as simple as it sounds what quarterback can get the most explosive plays like you said the yards are going to be at a premium points are going to be at a premium and the big plays if you can get 20 25 yard gains uh, against one of these defenses that's going to be huge and when we're not expecting a whole lot of offense so if you're able to manufacture that I think that's going to really put your team in a good position. If I'm Pittsburgh, I, I look at trying to get, you know, Kenny Pickett. I don't know how much they roll him out. They, they put him on some bootlegs, a lot of play action, but we've seen the Bengals defense really struggle with that. And that's a really easy way to create those big plays against Cincinnati. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if Pittsburgh, if, if Kenny's can do that, if he feels comfortable doing it, this should be definitely something they fold in. And with Browning, you know, his mobility, his escapability has been uh, pretty huge. And if he can, you know, use his legs to extend plays, I think that'll help them get explosive plays much like it did when Burrow was in, in the pocket. That being said, I am going to take uh, the Steelers here. The, the Bengals have not done well with Joe Burrow is not starting. I believe they're two and five since 2020, mm. since he was drafted with uh, without him as the starting quarterback. Like we talked about, you know, the offense is going to have its issues, but defensively, I, that's where I have my concerns. And and while Pittsburgh's offense is not good, we've all we've always seen, um, you know, sometimes when you have these changes, uh, when we know somebody is not the answer, and finally they are relieved of their duties, the team plays in a vastly different manner. We're seeing it in Las Vegas with Antonio Pierce coming in. Uh, and we're seeing it's almost like a new franchise. And so, you know, there could be a big boost inside that locker room with Pittsburgh now having a new offensive coordinator. And that surge of momentum could be what takes them through the week and helps them win on the road, especially knowing where their playoff chances are at. So right now in the middle of the week, give me Pittsburgh. I'm I'm with you here. I, I I'm saying I'm saying Steelers as well. Just so I, I think that with the things that the Steelers, like you said, the change in co- in coaches there. One thing I get the sense of is that the players were bottling it up. Like, like when we asked after the Packers game, when they won, they ran for over 200 yards. We asked Broderick Jones, hey, what's the difference here, you know, in the run game? And he's like, you know, we started these team meetings where, like, you know, Najee and Jalen are meeting with us in the line and we're talking a lot more. So then I go to Najee Harris and I'm like, hey, Najee, so what's the difference right now in the run game? He's like, actually, it's some private stuff. I don't want to reveal all of that. And then I'm like, oh, you mean like the meetings you guys have with the offensive line? He's like, 
Who told you that? And then and then when I asked Tomlin about it, he was like, oh, Broderick's just talking. There ain't nothing there. And that, to me, that signifies they've been trying to hide, I think, how much the players have been trying to figure out on offense outside of its co- coordinator. And maybe that's a sign of just, listen, I think that there's plenty of plays. If you look at the All-22, there were plenty of plays that Matt Canada called that if Kenny Pickett just hits the open man, it works. But I think the bottom line and why he was fired is the organization of it hasn't been there. And that's where Eddie Faulkner has been has been prized by Mike Tomlin saying, hey, as far as organizing and getting people together and keeping a clean room, he does a great job at that with the running backs. That's what they want to implement here. If Steelers can get that factor against the Bengals, I think that keeps Kenny Pickett out of the turnover column still and maybe gets him one or two of those explosive plays you're talking about that give the Steelers a lead and, and give the Steelers defense a lead to protect against the, against this backup quarterback. No, I completely agree. I think that that's going to be huge. And, and, you know, when you see, uh, you know, one of these changes is negative. One of these changes could be positive, uh, you know, and I think right now when you look at it, the odds are in the Steelers favor in that regard. I think the fact that the line is so low, I think let me flip over here and see line only, you know, Pittsburgh being a point favorite on the road shows you, you know, they would probably be about a four four point favorite if they were playing at at uh, at Acrisure. So I think that that shows you what this matchup looks like and why uh Pittsburgh's a favorite even though uh they're coming here to Cincinnati. So I think this is going to be a big matchup a game that both teams really need to win if they want to have uh keep their playoff chances really in decent shape and and so the loser of this one you're really looking at going okay, what do we have uh and and do we start preparing for 2024? Absolutely. He's Ben Baby from ESPN. He'll be on site at that game, as will our guys, Jerry Dulac, Brian Batko, Ray Fittipato. They'll be at the stadium while I'm managing stuff here in Pittsburgh and handling all the pit stuff that's going on over the weekend between Duke and the basketball team that they'll be taking on. Thanks again, Ben, for joining us. Thank you all for joining us here on the Accurature Fan Advantage from the Pittsburgh Post. I'm Chris Carter. Stick with us. We'll have our post-game shows with Adam Bittner and Paul Zeiss. And then, of course, we'll have our Monday episode with myself and Ray Fittipato breaking down what exactly happened in this matchup with the Steelers and the Bengals. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all the sports coverage from the Post-Gazette that we have to offer, visit post-gazette.com.